So welcome, dear listener, in podcast number four of the Little Big and Partners Backstage Sessions. Tom, why don't you take care of the introduction today? Well, you just did the introduction. So did I? Welcome, dear listener. I could say the same thing over and over again. You could. An <laughs> this interesting is a story. <laughs> this is indeed <laughs> podcast number four. So welcome, everyone. Uh, Hans, good to have you back. Thank you. The same goes for me to you and vice versa. <laughs> we could go on like this forever. Anyway, uh, thanks for all the feedback uh, we've been getting after the previous podcast, yep. which was on communication. Absolutely. And you say thanks for the feedback, but we can really live with a lot more feedback. <laughs> oh, we got yeah. some, but yeah. it, it, it was striking. And by the way, we had a, a small conversation on the topic that when you deliver workshops on storytelling, very often you have like a paralyzed audience and you say like, am I really providing added value? And then the next day you indirectly hear like the most positive feedback of all times. And you say, why don't they just share it on the moment? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it could be culture. It could be, yeah, it wasn't bad. And then the yeah. day, oh, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, please give, uh, keep giving uh, feedback. So a thumbs Absolutely. up is already great. Yes, and you can do so on SoundCloud. We'll be checking our presence on iTunes. I guess we, we must be there as well, but uh, we, we have to verify. And of course, we have our website. We have got our Facebook yes. page. Yes. And we, we exist live as well. We have got phone yeah. numbers you can call. You can mail info at littlebig.partners and just book us for the next year because our agendas are getting Fuller by the day. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say emptier, which uh, no, 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 <laughs> not no, really. No, 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 so, no, no. but uh, we've we've also been getting feedback that many people listen to the podcast in traffic jams, Absolutely. which is an interesting. So, interesting. if you have time to spare, yep. Uh, and I think one of the reasons, and this is going to be partially one of the topics we will be discussing today, is that we drive the behavior in that direction. I mean, the, the, the last, I think, five promotion posts I did on LinkedIn and Facebook were like, thank God there's traffic jams because these are the ideal moments to listen to our podcasts. So I think we're, we're driving a little bit the action, which is, by the way, the final purpose of any story we can talk about, is it? Yes, absolutely. So... Uh... Well, today we want to talk about communication, continue on the topic yep. of communication. As we said last podcast, uh, the communication aspect is huge. It's so big. So we, we I think we still have four, a few podcasts. Well, I think our uh, ambition is to yeah. have like more than 100 podcast sessions. So uh, there is presentation skills. There is your presentation diamond. There is mm -hmm. the stories we tell ourselves. There is an immense amount of topics we can talk about and we will gladly share with you totally for free. The only condition is that every now and then you promote us, you like us, as we already said, and most of all, you enjoy it. Yeah, because let's take the definition of communication once more. It's about a sender giving a message to a receiver, and then there's feedback coming back that the message has been received. So yep. uh, luckily, there's statistics to see that people are listening to the podcast. Yep. Um, but uh, like Hans already said, 
please do keep uh, yeah. giving those and, feedback. And feedback is what you want to get out of every story you tell, whether mm -hmm. it is uh, the feedback that people feel good. If you're in a sales context, the feedback is that people sign uh, an order form uh, or commit to doing something. So there's always like this this nice balance between your words and then what people do with them and, and whether it just lands and it's like an intention or whether it stimulates motivation or whether it stimulates action. And in your workshops, as well as in mine, mm -hmm. by the way, but you um, recently reused that triangle of, of ingredients that is really necessary to drive people to action in stories. So yeah, why don't you correct. give us the highlights of your strategy? Okay, the read the digest version of the yes. workshop. Uh, so basically, I start every workshop with explaining why do you pitch. I, I give a lot of pitch training uh, to startups, to companies, to individuals, uh, anybody who ever needs to present themselves, that's considered a pitch. So how do you do that? What do you put in there? So I usually start a workshop by explaining what is the goal of your pitch. There's always a goal. If you don't have a goal, you might as well not do it and do something else with your time. But there's always a goal. And usually when you ask people, what is the goal of having to present a pitch? Uh, is uh, They usually start with a verb. So it's, it's getting feedback. It's getting an introduction. It's making a next appointment. There's always a verb in there. And that means that it's an action that you're actually requiring. So if you give a pitch, you would like to get an action from the opposite side listening to your pitch. But in order to know uh, how you can trigger that action within the other individual, you need to understand how action actually comes about. And like you already uh, hinted a bit, it, it comes from a couple of elements. In our system, in our body, we have something that is called ratio, a brain. And that brain tells to your whole body that that's the only thing that can think, but that's wrong. But it, it, it still conveys that message. We all have the capability. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that brain tells us it's the only thing that can think. And I was just like doing a transderivational search <laughs> to what? find all the other parts in my body that can think or can okay. not think. But let's not go there. So no, we said I mean. this is a podcast without any reservations. Yeah. This is uh, no, no, okay. three years go and on, up. Go on, so go on, go on, go on. Be careful what you say there, Hans. But I know where you're pointing at what other body parts can think. Anyway, <laughs> getting right. a little bit yeah. sidetracked here. Back to the topic of ratio. We all have the capability of thinking. Some people have more or less. Come on, this is not going to work. <laughs> go on, go on. We all have the capability there. to think. Some people have more of a, a rational brain than others. <laughs> Unless I'm laughing, I'm thinking of all the people who will be listening now and who will start spontaneously to laugh as well, which is great. Yeah. But anyway, enough laughing. Let's get okay. serious. <clears throat> serious. Ratio. Ratio is very serious. So we, we have the capability to think. We can absorb rational information. We can learn. That capability is stored in the ratio. On the other hand, you also have something that is called willpower. And willpower is, is, is the thing that makes us do things. This morning you got up out of bed, you went to work or you did something, but something happened that triggered that action in you. So that is willpower. We all have the capability of doing things. 
Now, if you combine ratio and willpower, you get, at best, you get an intention. Uh, and in, in sales, we even uh, put that into a formal process, which is called the letter of intent. And that is nothing more than putting on a piece of paper, I think we should do something. And then you sign it. And this is what we do every single year. January 1st, we do our New Year's resolutions. And we say, oh, we should uh, eat less, uh, exercise more. It's all intentions. Because, for instance, you say, I'm going to try this year to drink less. And then the, the next day, it's a, it's a family reception once again or a family party and say, okay, one more. And then you get back to work and there's also a New Year's reception. And, you, and after one week, you say, what happened to that great intention of uh, looking after my body, taking in less calories, doing more exercise? All of a sudden, it's gone. About 80% of, uh, of all New Year's resolutions don't survive the first two months. Which is already quite spectacular. Yeah, that, that means that 20% yeah. survives. Yep. We don't know how for how long because the mm-hmm. study stopped at that moment. But anyway, um, the, the intention is not enough to trigger the action. There's apparently something else at stake that uh, really puts somebody in the position. Now I'm, go- I'm not going to do it. I'm doing it. And that is, for instance, uh, when you ask people... Uh, who had been smoking in the past, what was the moment when you stopped smoking? And usually, uh, with especially with women, it's the moment they know they are expecting a baby. That is the moment they stop smoking. Emotional. It's purely emotional. And if you combine emotion with that willpower, if these two start to collaborate, you get motivation. And once you have motivation, you combine it with the intention, then you get the proper action. Yeah. Yeah. So the secret ingredient to get people to get into some kind of action, whatever the action you want to trigger, is email. Yeah. And so in your pitch, you need to include something emotional, which for some people is, is often difficult uh, because they say, well, we, I'm in a business context. I need to be rational. Yeah. It's, it's the numbers. Uh, even when you pitch uh, for, for money in front of a venture capitalist, no, these guys, they only look at numbers. No, think again. They look at the yeah. person standing there. They look at the story. They listen to the story. They feel the click. And if there's a click, they'll look at the yeah. numbers to justify why they felt yeah. the click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <clears throat> asking someone uh, or, or proposing to someone to end um, sales conversations with the question, how do you feel about this? Or what do you feel about this? And they said, like, I cannot do that. I mean, it's thinking. I cannot ask how people feel. They will be, like, out of their comfort zone, which is exactly the purpose of, of the game. Yes, but, yeah. exactly. It, it's, it's feeling. And the interesting thing is that if you go back in, in, in our history, um, very, very long time ago, um, we as human beings, and even before that as mammals, we had a very instinctive way of moving on through life. We were driven by, I would say, an instinctive urge to survive by making sure we have food, so producing stuff, and reproducing by making sure that our species continued to to exist. So for a long time, we have done this, I wouldn't say emotionless, but just driven by like this primate brain that says like, go on, go on, go on and do it. 
And about 37,000 years ago, and I'm not inventing this, um, I'm, I'm, I have been really inspired by a book called The Human Given, so really um, interesting literature. And so in that book, they say like 37,000 years ago, all of a sudden we gained access, and I'm simplifying the story, but we gained access to our imagination. So the kind of the limbic visualization association part of our uh, of our heads and our hearts. And so all of a sudden we could move no longer exclusively instinctively, but we could move into the future based on what happened in the past, added onto that visualizations of how we would see things and light things. So really uh, an interesting shift in, 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 in human species. Now this turned very soon out to be really an energy consuming activity, like using our imagination is blah. So nature in some way or the other said like, oh, we need a form of control system. And our cortex started to develop, our rational part, with actually as a mission to contain the energy while sustaining the movement, which is a very interesting like dualarity actually. And as long as these two layers, I would say, so that instinctive drive to move on, which is very emotional, and that rational control mechanism that has its main purpose to protect us from doing things that could be harmful to species, if these two are in harmony, whether it's an individual, a team, or an organization, or a civilization, things go fairly well. Now, if we look at organizations, what we see very often is that the, the top layer at one point or the other freezes and says like, well, we've reached perfection, the system runs, it's cool, we're no longer going to change. In one of the workshops that we do together, we use the Kodak moment mm -hmm. to illustrate that, yeah. where, where some guy in the top layer at Kodak said, uh, nah, digital photography, no, no, we, we stick to silver halide, it's okay. And then the underlying layer wanted to move on emotionally somewhere, driven by this instinct, and bam. There was a Kodak moment and, and the company drained, uh, talents got away, etc. Now, if you translate this back to an individual, there is this urge to move on. And at the same time, there is the ratio, the part in our head that controls this whole movement. Very often, ratio rules. We have the tendency to want to control everything, explain what we do, how we do it, where we do it. And we tend to forget in pitches that it's also about values, that it's about how we feel things, uh, what is our bigger, let's say, spiritual goal in the story. And the same way you do workshops, I, I did one recently with students and I invited them to kind of pitch about themselves. So 15 students, they each give a personal pitch. And then when, when they've all done their pitches, I asked them, to the group, what do you remember from what you have just heard? It's amazing. I mean, they two minutes ago, they heard pitches <laughs> and then they, they forget everything apart from either the pattern breaks, which we discussed in the previous podcasts, or the emotional things, the, the value things, the, the, the identity related things, which actually makes a lot of sense and proves the point that you need ratio, as history have shown, it's a mechanism to contain and make sure that we survive. But we need a lot of emotion. If not, we come to a halt and we don't get to the next point, which is action or feedback. So the human givens, very interesting literature. Uh, and I think in, in the, the upcoming podcasts, I will definitely refer to it at several instances because it, it really contains very, very uh, 
nice insights in how we operate as human beings. Yes, and it, it's it's linked to the way the brain works. Uh, basically, you have three main parts in your brain, your reptilian or your instinct, your yeah. limbic, which is your emotional, and then the, the, the newest part, the cortex with, yeah. with the rational uh, part. And um, the, the limbic brain is the closest to the reptilian brain, so it, it developed earlier before the cortex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the funny thing is that your limbic brain does not have a direct link with the cortex. It oh. is, yeah. Or so it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't, no. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't say it is. It isn't. No, it isn't. It doesn't. It, it won't. doesn't. It, it will won't. never. <laughs> no. well, never say never. No, no, in, in the next couple of million I, years, yeah, there might be a there, moment. There might be a, a, a connection, but it's a unidirectional one. Yeah, for, for yeah. instance, um, what, what happens is, since your limbic brain has no language uh, capability that's stored in your, your cortex, and especially your neocortex and the prefrontal cortex, but it has no language capability. So whenever it feels something, it can just, just signal, I feel something. And it, it comes out very funny because, uh, the, for instance, you ask somebody, how do you feel? And the limbic brain say, oh, feeling, that's us. Um, and it, it signals to the cortex, we feel this. But this is blah, or quoi, or mm, doesn't matter. Uh, they just say, we feel blah. And that is then translated by the, the cortex into, wait a second, we need to make a proper sentence. What do we do with that? We feel blue, uh, which, which might explain the word, we feel blue. And on or Blue Monday, which is just a signal coming from your your limbic brain. But since it's so vital uh, to have that part in uh, in in the total equation, uh, to have that balance between emo and ratio, if you only give rational information, for instance during a pitch, you will never hit that limbic part. Yeah, yeah. And people will not remember what you said. Absolutely, absolutely. The thing you just illustrate is that you'll, it starts with the limbic thing. And, and the history I've just um, evoked proves the same thing. We, we've been driving on our limbic system and the cortex is like this kind of control thing. But indeed, you're, you're, you have a sensation. You want to give meaning to it by adding words to it. And then you express it. And in that way, it works. But if you give meanings or give words to your cortex, they are never capable to translate them into an emotion. So you need more. You need to evoke these feelings by using images, by using sounds, by using smells, by using tastes and, and by enriching your storyline with these kinds of, of elements, which makes a, a more a better pitch. And you don't necessarily need to use smells because you told me about a workshop you did with like refugees. Yes. Yeah. It, it, there is more than just smells and 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 and, uh, and and sounds to create emotion, isn't it? Well, the the thing is, for instance, when I explain how action works at the beginning of a pitch session, uh, when you have uh, people in the audience who, in their own mind, have not experienced a whole lot, uh, they they grew up in a safe environment, they went to uh, elementary school, went to high school, then continued to college or university, and and they say, well, what is, is my story? Because the thing to make it emotional is to tell your own personal story. That's the closest you can get to your own emotion. Uh, but if, if somebody says, I don't have a personal story, well, I can't tell you what I did as a kid, but it's not very fascinating. 
because it's a good news show and, and nobody's interested in, in the good news show. Um, the, the, the fascinating thing is that sometimes we struggle with finding the story that ticks with those individuals. Yeah. Well, uh, yesterday, for instance, I did a workshop. Uh, I was asked a couple of weeks ago to give a workshop for refugees. Uh, with the whole refugee crisis, there is many uh, very highly educated people, university degree, PhDs, coming to Europe and they're looking for the next opportunity. Um, and the, so the, in, within this program, uh, which was called Fresh Start, uh, one of the things was we, we need to train them how to present themselves, how to pitch. Now, when we just did introductions in that training course, uh, the introductions itself were all the personal stories, where they came from, why they left their country, uh, sometimes very painful, awful, but very emotional stories. So for the rest of the workshop, we didn't need to look for what is your story. You have the story at hand. So my role, the only thing I had to do was give it a bit of structure and, and add in some rational arguments at what point do you bring across that certain argument. And that was the pitch, but very emotional stories. I still remember uh, one of the participants who was a, a female doctor, a pediatrician, um, who, who fled her country and then came to Europe and is now struggling to find a job here. But the way she explained her personal story, why she became a doctor, what her skill set is, if, if she would tell that to any hospital and they don't hire her, I will yeah. call them crazy. Yeah. It's, it's because yeah. she has the right motivation, the right drive. The only thing she's lacking right now is the skill set of speaking the local language. Yeah. So she's learning that. She's only been here for a few months. And she, she's learning Dutch and French and uh, uh, trying to improve her English as well. And But the, the story itself is so strong that it will continue to live. Yeah. And and if people, and I think it's also part of, of the culture over here in Belgium, because we're recording this in, in, in Belgium, Europe, um, is that we, we don't very much like to share our personal stories certainly not in a business context and and secondly we are a little bit modest we just continually ask ourselves is, is this worth telling now an, a good alternative is to use metaphors is to use to create stories that help people to do their own projection like like snow white and and all the other stories that we know that we've known since childhood these stories help us to create our own representation of what is happening with very often an emotional trigger like, oh, this is bad. Oh, this is good. Oh, this I love or this I hate. So the use of metaphors is something that we should also maybe put on the agenda of one of the upcoming yeah. podcasts. <laughs> because it's a, a very, very interesting one to uh, help trigger, because this is the essence of what we are discussing now, to help trigger action. And to help keep the balance between that upper layer, which is the more rational, controlling part, and that lower layer that is our instincts, our emotions, and what really drives us towards surviving, innovating, being disruptive, and doing really doing things in a, a very active, yeah. uh, active way. And that has to do also with the the way that we store that rational information in our brain. 
like like I said, the, the story I remember from yesterday was that of that pediatrician. Uh, apparently, that made somewhere an emotional impact on me. That's why I'm explaining it here. I cannot repeat all the pitches, but some stuck out from the others. Uh, and that is also uh, the way in which we store that information. Ask anybody to uh, list a top 10, something they studied in school. I yeah. think it's really difficult to to just start repeating your, your full course on, on a certain uh, topic. What is possible is to repeat stories you experienced as a student. And in that story, there's a lot of rational information. If you ask somebody, so tell me about the first time you went to university. What did you experience? Oh, you get the, the, the maybe sometimes even the temperature, the color of the sky, the, the how, how tall the building was, what you experienced, who you saw in the corridors. Uh, all that is rational information. It is stored somewhere. Yeah. Sometimes you can wonder, why do you store all of this information? Yeah, but the, the the fact is that that rational information is stored in your in your brain, in a big warehouse, in a in an extremely big warehouse. They're still trying to figure out how the warehouse works. Um, that that is probably a, a topic for maybe some podcast in the future when they have figured it out. Uh, but it's a huge warehouse of rational information stored and tied together with emotional components. Yeah. Uh, all the senses are linked to that specific uh, topic that is stored. So ask somebody, um, what did you do yesterday? Uh, or somebody says, uh, oh, I, I, I just thought of something and I can remember. Wait a second. I was at, when, when I thought it, I was sitting in my car. I just finished a phone call with that person that song was on the radio oh now i remember it was that yeah so it's because you get access to that rational information through all these senses it's by living these uh, reliving these senses that you get access to yeah. the information it's why sometimes if you do memory follow memory courses or courses to improve your memory they say also for people who tend to have difficulties in remembering names like uh, if you see someone and you get introduced figure something emotional around it, some something that explodes or, or a funny accessory on the heads of that person and live how you feel. And then next time you see that person, the first thing you will think of is like, well, that funny hat, and that will bring back the name. So it, it's yeah. indeed, it's a very interesting thing, which um, which helps us also to to create our, our own stories and, and to, to also sometimes be selective in what we remember yeah, and yeah. what we don't. don't it, it's called mnemotechnic. Yeah. It's the way we store information and you can use that process to store your own information. At school, for instance, in, in, in the US, you have to study all presidents, all presidents uh, of, the, of the United States in, in a particular order. Now, you, you can study that by heart or you can tell a story around yeah. that and, and then go back and forth. That's the way uh, there's YouTube videos of people uh, taking a deck of cards, shuffling the deck of cards, looking yeah. at each card for a fraction of a second and then repeating the whole order of the deck. Yeah. It's not like they are storing the information of the order of the no. deck. What they are storing in their it's brain a is a story. Yeah. Yeah. And by just repeating the story, like rewind, play, for those who never experienced cassette players, they have no clue what <laughs> rewind play is on a VHS yeah. recorder or whatever video uh, machine. Um, 
but uh, you replay it. You, you replay yeah. the same story, yeah. and that triggers all that information that's stored in the story. That is why uh, we we can so easily repeat jokes. Indeed, yep. It's it's yep. one of the most strong limbic triggers you have. And, and we repeat the same jokes over absolutely. and over again. And this is, is, it makes me think of like this proverb that says like, I will forget what you said. I will forget what you did, but I will never forget how you made me feel. And jokes generate a feeling of happiness, of, of laughing like we did like a couple of minutes ago. And, and that is what helps us also to remember the facts behind it and, and almost almost like literally copy them through through ages and centuries in the same way. And, and, and have other people laugh about it, which is yeah. the trigger of the story indeed. Yeah. And, and the stories that we've been trigger. telling for, for uh, ages, uh, the, 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 the fairy tales, uh, the grim stories, whatever, it doesn't matter. They, they kept on being uh, told over and over again. And then somebody wrote them down. Uh, it, it was not like uh, maybe with the Grimm it was different because yeah, they, yeah. they, 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 they were the storytellers yeah. but uh, many of the stories we just continue to tell and sometimes they become urban legends yeah. nobody mm-hmm. can track down no. where exactly it came from but it's being told so it, and that's yeah. even the expression yeah. it is being told yeah. that yeah. Which is a very interesting cliffhanger for podcast number oh, five. Storytelling, yay. If we are in storytelling, uh, now we have been talking about stories that we use to kind of take people into an adventure, an action, or an experience. But the, the thing we do most of the time in our lives is tell stories to ourselves and generate feelings within ourselves and trigger actions within ourselves which is a a most amazing thing if you you stop for a moment and you think of it what i have been doing now for the last week with this in mind is like at the end of every day i take some time and i get the main facts of the day and i put them in two stories one which i normally use which is the positive story like even the the worst things are always like opportunities or learnings or really things that are interesting in my life. But then I do another exercise and I also make a negative version of it. Like, ah, oh, Jesus, and look what happens to me and how do I suffer and blah, blah, blah. Uh, which for me is a little bit the more complicated That's part. That's really but, out of your comfort <laughs> but zone. But I, I, I know a lot of people for whom the, the positive story is, is really challenging because they tend to have everything. They, they tend to tell stories about facts in a very like I'm the uh, victim and look what happened to me and it's not fair and blah 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 actually they're more at the effect side of life and the stories they tell of course will also influence other people and will mainly influence their mental state and their ego states that are in the driving seat and so what I would challenge people to do and and maybe this might be uh, one of one of the, the takeaways that we can share with with the audience uh, in, in like a, a, an empowering question uh, so um, what what is what is your story what is, what is your story that you're going to tell to yourself and to others what is your pitch um, and and try and, and play with it make 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 it in, in several ways make a rational one, make a purely emotional one, make a positive one, make a negative one, uh, and just take the same facts, the same you or the same day and talk about it in a different way. And while you do, look at what happens to the people listening to your story. And most of all, 
check out what happens inside you. Where do you feel something? How do you feel it? What happens with your eyes, with your face, with the, the tone of your skin, the temperature of your skin, uh, and, and so on and so forth. That is indeed very powerful if you if you start experimenting with your own story and telling yeah. it in different ways. That's but be careful <laughs> <laughs> because if you like, I, I experienced that telling the stories in a negative way. It really, I have to be very conscious <laughs> with that upper layer <laughs> yeah. to to contain it, to control it, and to make sure that it doesn't get you into like this this. Um, uh, hole where it's very difficult to get out. So yeah, uh, and and you can talk yourself into depression. So. Most definitely, this yes. would actually be the final purpose of the exercise, but I won't go that no, far. No, le let's <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not get yeah. people depressed. I, yeah, uh, I was so. actually thinking of uh, yeah. like uh, Stephen Covey when when uh, in, in several books he always will make a point, and then he will strengthen the point by doing the contrary or by explaining what what would happen if you wouldn't do what i say so which in my case is supplying optimism and in our case providing inspiration for people to talk in a positive action-oriented way and it's interesting to kind of also wonder wait a minute would it work in the other direction as well and hmm, it definitely does so if it works in one way my conviction and my strong belief is that it works in the other way as well so um, yeah which is which is a cool thing absolutely yeah. and people can send us their pitch if they want to oh, please, have a look at it please, so please. do do use all the information you have at mm. hand it might be through the website uh, yeah. littlebig.partners or send us an email info at littlebig.partners yeah. or on linkedin or on facebook or whatever medium you yeah. can find even give us a call please feel free yeah, because this, it might be a story it might be a picture it might yeah. be a drawing uh it might be whatever Anything. way of expressing your story is a good yeah. way because don't let anyone fool you that language is the only way in which you can express yourself absolutely not it is, uh, if it you is, if yeah. you are a choreographer for instance you're going express yourself through dance That's, for instance yeah. a painter will do it through paintings and maybe someone who writes poems will do it with yep. interesting poems, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a funny story. Uh, when I was a student, oh my God, way <laughs> back, way back, flashback here. Nobody knows, nobody knows. <laughs> no, no, no. You're still when young, I, when, <laughs> you have the energy, yes, you can yes, do I'm it. I'm still young, and I'm still young. that red bull on your desk, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was a student, I went to one of these uh, poetry uh, poetry lectures with, with uh, uh, a... In the meantime, uh, a poet that, that died a couple of years ago, but one of the big poets of his generation. And it, it was an interview style. And uh, one of the poems he read to the audience was a very complicated one with extremely difficult words and, and sentences that really didn't make sense, but it sounded right. And the interviewer asked after the poem, what, what did you mean with that poem? And, and his answer was so dry, and I still remember it. Uh, his answer was, if I could tell it differently, I would have done so. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. 
Thank you for that nice story. It's uh, absolutely great. So, so yeah. I think it's time to wrap up this uh, podcast. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you for having been with us again. I hope the traffic jam, if you're in one, has uh, like completely vanished by the time you get to this, uh, this point in the podcast. Um, and as I say, there's no communication without feedback. So please share your feedback. We will also post some of our experiences with the experiment, the good and bad and ugly experiment. I have baptized it. Uh, I will write a blog on our website and also on, on social. And of course, please, if you feel the need in your organization to pimp your communication, to promote the generative field in which you would like things to see happen, just get in touch. We will be very happy to assist you in the most creative and pattern-breaking ways. Yes, and if you want to re-listen to one of the previous podcasts, website is littlebig.partners slash podcast. Absolutely. There you are on SoundCloud or whatever platform yeah, yeah, yeah. you use to listen to your yeah. favorite podcast. Share it violently and thank yes. you for having been there. Thank bye you bye. and give us a thumbs up. Thanks. Little Big Backstage Sessions. Thank you for listening.